Hi, this is Joe Hackman with the Manufacturing Advocates Podcast, and today I have a guest who happens to be the CEO of a company that's become very near and dear to my heart, uh, the SME organization. So why don't you join me in welcoming Jeff Krause. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you very much, Joe. Glad to be with you. Great. So, Jeff, tell me a little bit about yourself. When did you get involved with SME? Oh, thank you. Well, I got involved two and a half years ago. I started working as in my present role as executive director and CEO in December 2014. And uh, uh, I've always known about SME and been involved to some limited degrees, quite candidly. But earlier in that year, in 2014, I received a call and SME had begun a search process for a new CEO. And I was fortunate to um, be identified as a candidate with some of the the background they were looking for. And when I got the call, Joe, it was really interesting. I, I was literally getting ready to take my youngest son off to college. I thought it was my wife when they called <laughs> and I answered the phone very informally, learned about this. And I was like, well, tell me more about it. And in a just brief call, I became ex- very excited about the potential match. And fortunately, going through the uh, interview process, I was um, just uh, extremely happy to be selected, and I started in December. It's been a very quick two and a half years. Um, excellent uh, rewards, challenging, great opportunities, and I'm excited in the capacity. That's great. Well, they say time flies when you're having fun. So, you know, it's uh, two years can go in a in a blink of an eye. So, yeah, that's uh, very interesting. So they caught you at the right time and place, it sounds like, and had the right uh, message for you. So prior to SME, what was your, uh, I understand you had some involvement in manufacturing. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your, your career in the industry? Yeah, absolutely. My, my career has basically been in the automotive vertical of manufacturing. So I attended Kettering University back then. It was called General Motors Institute. Hmm. And, I, and I had a combined 30 years in automotive uh, at General Motors and Delphi. And that was throughout all kinds of functions, but always with a, a view to what's going on in manufacturing and manufacturing capabilities from production supervision to manufacturing planning to new product development uh, to business unit uh, management. So I always had a, a great appreciation for what uh, the real source of uh, wealth creation is, in, and that is manufacturing. So my career has been primarily automotive. Um, and then after GM and Delphi, I did some uh, work, work for with a small company and did some aftermarket in automotive and some acquisitions. And we were actually looking at acquisitions in the in the former company of uh, acquiring a float glass plant. So all kinds of different exposure hmm. to processes and manufacturing. Oh, very cool. So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting people that are involved in this industry almost always have this story about where they kind of fell in love with it. You know, you could be exposed to manufacturing and really just be, oh, you know, it's it's all right. But everybody kind of seems to have a point where they realize, wow, this is really where I need to be and where I want to be and where I'm going to dedicate my, my career. Did you have a pivotal moment like that in your experience in, in manufacturing in those early you know, days? 
Yeah, great question, Joe. When, when, when I think about your question, what came immediately to mind is back in high school. And uh, I had the fortune to have a summer job um, it, delivering milk, working for you know, a, a dairy distribution company. And in that, we would go to a place in Detroit called Zug Island, and I filled the vending machines. And it was quite the old type of manufacturing, you know, where basically steel is made. And that then would also deliver milk to factories, and particularly in the summer when it's 100 degrees, the factories would call and have us bring, you know, water and milk and other, you know, liquid refreshments to keep everybody on the line. And so as a, as a kid, 16, 17 years old, going through the factories and seeing what uh, you know, manufacturing is like, that was, uh, I think that had an indelible mark on my interest in manufacturing. So from there on, uh, you know, having worked for GM at a, a very early age and both in, in components and assembly and transmissions, et cetera, I just built upon that, and uh, it's been a great ride. That's pretty neat. I, I love those stories, and you know, I think we're going to end up talking about um, youth uh, a little later in our discussion here today. There's some questions I want to ask you about that, actually. One of the things, like, before we get into that, though, is it seems like today there's we finally have the wind at our back. Going into 2017, there's some, some great kind of numbers coming back about the jobs being reshored and things like that in 2016. And it just feels like we have quite a bit of momentum so that people can kind of have some context. You've been involved with manufacturing through some uh, times that have not always been so great. Can you talk a little bit about those, uh, those challenges that uh, you saw uh, in the various companies you worked with? Well, absolutely. Um, I was one of the people that self-elected to go from General Motors to Delphi when the Automotive Components Group called Delphi spun off from GM. And uh, I had a rare opportunity to have some pretty good due diligence with the most senior levels of General Motors. And when I say most senior, I'm talking at the CEO level. And, and it was explained to me that, you know, at that time that, uh, that the Components Group of General Motors had really gone through a process of fix, close, and sell to really address the competitiveness of operations. So with uh, with great gusto, I, uh, I took a job doing mergers and acquisitions at a division at Delphi. And the first few years when we were separate from GM seemed to go pretty darn well. And then unfortunately we went through bankruptcy. And then that was simultaneous with the you know the Great Recession in 2009, et cetera, and and living through you know five years of bankruptcy, and what happened at that time, Joe, was you know Delphi in, in particular was paying um, you know hourly employees a total of wages and benefits equal to about $75 per hour, and competing against non-union shops and offshore shops at $15 per hour. And it was really, really difficult. So for a while there, when the days were pretty dark, um, you know, it was really unclear what the future of manufacturing really was going to be, particularly manufacturing in the U.S. And uh, fortunately, Delphi's come out of that, as well as manufacturing has come out of that pretty substantially. And when a company, whether they're 10 employees, 2 employees, 2,000 employees, 100,000 employees, et cetera, when they focus on what it takes to be capable and competent and competitive, 
they can foster and they can do very well. And that's what we're seeing in manufacturing. You're exactly right with your, your, your comment. Manufacturing is now getting some of its fair due. Uh, and I'd add that with the current um, administration, uh, manufacturing is getting a lot of attention in Washington, D.C. And I think that's a favorable thing because manufacturing is what creates wealth. There's very few types of industries or jobs where you say wealth is actually created. When you go through the process of making or manufacturing something, taking raw materials and converting it into something that helps people's lives and helps the economy, whether local, regional, national, I mean, that's where real wealth is created, and that's what's attractive in manufacturing. So I could talk all day about it, but uh, that's my quick response to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that. Um, actually, one of the things that we've keyed in on in the Manufacturing Advocates podcast is the economic benefits of manufacturing. And we've tried to play the role of also educating the public. Admittedly, it, it's, it is a niche audience. But there's a lot that people can learn about manufacturing and the benefits of it, uh, such as, you know, they say that one manufacturing job is roughly equivalent to three and a half of, of a nor you know, another kind of industry. We've got the uh, vast economic output advantage for the communities where these jobs are located. But at the same time, we've had all these uh, this regulatory burden and all these other issues. So it is it is very great to see that that some of those issues are being addressed. And like you said, though, people have managed to continue to succeed in the environment when they follow certain principles. And uh, some of my past guests have actually talked talked a lot about that. Um, and I think this plays into what SME does, because to me, SME really seems to focus a lot on people and on development. So why don't we talk a little bit about uh, SME and, and the mission of SME. Why don't you just give listeners kind of an overview of, of what SME is and, and what they do? Hey, I would love to do that. But even before I do, I do want to comment on the first part of, of your, your question. And, and, and that is, before talking about SME, let me talk about the importance of manufacturing to our economy. In addition to the multiplier effect, here's a couple of things that I think are really noteworthy. As an industry alone, manufacturing would be the lar ninth largest economy in the world. It directly supports 12.3 million workers. So really getting it right for manufacturing matters. And then there's that multiplier effect that you talk about. Also, manufacturing provides a tremendous number of good paying jobs and in, in fact, jobs that can be low to debt free, uh, low to debt free way for students to start their careers. Joe, did you know the average manufacturing worker in the U.S. earned $81,289 annually when you include both pay and the value of benefits in 2015? And that's more than 25 percent higher than the average worker in all non-farm industries. Wow. So there's some really interesting data about the importance of manufacturing and the attractiveness of careers, all kinds of different careers in manufacturing. Wow, I think those are some great points. I'm, I'm glad you uh, circled back on those. Um, well, I'd love to talk about SME, but I wanted to get that out about manufacturing because that really speaks you know, to, to our core. 
So we've done a lot of work on our strategic plan within SME. And I'll, I'll answer the, the uh, other part of your, your question there. So um, many people know, but perhaps not everybody knows that SME is a nonprofit organization. We exist for the sole purpose to support and promote the manufacturing industry. Supporting manufacturing is based on a very core belief that manufacturing is key to economic growth and prosperity. Again, at the local level, at the community level, at the regional, and, and in fact, at the national level. Uh, we work often with um, you know people from Department of Defense, and I heard a story the other day that was really relevant, and it goes back to the founding of our country, and it went to uh, you know one of the founders of the country making the comment, if you want to have a strong Navy, then you have to have a strong fishing industry. And so that, that, that speaks to the fact that if you want to have strong national defense, then you have to have that ability to make things. You have to have that ability to generate product. And that's, you know, so not only the economic importance of manufacturing, but it's really, you know, core to our national security in that sense. Now, in our strategic plan, we've recently in the last year updated our strategic plan. We've got a you know, internal five-year strategic plan. But with our board of directors, we refreshed and updated our vision, our mission, and our purpose. And I think you'll like them. They're pretty straightforward. Our vision is to have an inspired, educated, and prosperous manufacturing community. And we chose each of those words pretty darn carefully, that we want to inspire people to great careers in manufacturing. We want to help educate people for manufacturing careers. And we believe manufacturing is key to economic prosperity at the individual all the way through the national level. So our vision and inspired, educated and prosperous manufacturing community. The mission of our organization is to promote manufacturing technology and develop a skilled workforce. And let me elaborate that on that a little bit, Joe. If you picture a graph, a vertical axis and a horizontal axis, label that vertical axis manufacturing technologies and label the horizontal axis development of a skilled workforce. What we do at SME and all of our, with all of our products and services for our customers is to promote manufacturing technologies how to apply them, what the new, te new technologies are, what the benefits are, how to network experts around the country in the, in the vast SME network of manufacturing companies, all about promoting the advancement of manufacturing technologies. Then go to the x-axis that I described, developing the skilled workforce. That begins with inspiring and attracting young people to manufacturing, and it continues on through an individual's whole, I'll say, career cycle, when they are in school, when they're out of school, when they're in higher education, whether it's career tech or in university or post, post uh, any secondary school you know, training, um, and including in the workforce. How do we can constantly upgrade the skills of the manufacturing workforce? And so as companies are buying more and more sophisticated equipment, let's use CNC machines as an example. You got to have advanced skills to be able to operate and get full use of those. So 
SME, through a, very, a variety of products and services and business units, we work on developing the skills of the workforce and promoting the advanced technologies. So that's what our, our mission is. And then our purpose, very much in line with that vision and, and mission, our purpose is to advance manufacturing and attract future generations to careers in manufacturing. So that's, uh, that's it at the, the very macro level of our strategic plan. That's great. Yeah, you actually mentioned something in there, and uh, I know this is an extremely important issue with the skills gap. And maybe we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the skills gap. But you mentioned attracting younger uh, people to manufacturing. How um, and that's part of your your plan now. So that's really great. How do you how do you guys intend to try to help with that uh, part of the equation? Well, we've got a lot of work to do. And first of all, I would say that we are seeking increasingly collaboration with other organizations, individuals, and companies. And so we'll be doing more in the months uh, you know, to come about how we can reach further and further into younger people about the image of manufacturing and make sure that we portray the positive aspects of manufacturing. It's not the same kind of manufacturing as it used to be. In fact, what we're finding with young people, and, and here I'll define young people as anywhere from, you know, uh, in, in elementary school through high school and beyond, they don't have a negative impression necessarily of manufacturing. They think manufacturing is pretty cool. That, wow, how things are made is of interest and interesting. It's frankly some of the older generation that knows of manufacturing from the 1970s or 1980s with those smokestack industries and the kind of factories that I saw when I delivered milk in the 1970s, you know, at the steel mills and such. And it's a matter of educating people about the attractiveness of manufacturing, what, what manufacturing looks like and what kind of career opportunities there are. Now, so, so part of that is, is our cam campaign to get that message out. But we also um, we also have an education foundation it's called the SME Education Foundation, and it's been around for for uh, quite some time since uh, if, if I recall the, our history, it dates it back to, you know, up to 20 years ago. We have provided more than ten point four million dollars in scholarships for advanced education related to manufacturing since the inception of our foundation. We've invested $17.3 million in grants to 35 colleges and universities for the development of industry-driven curriculum. We've provided more than, with, with a company donors, more than $345 million in in-kind gifts since 2007. So we've historically done a lot in our education foundation through scholarships and working with a lot of manufacturing companies to raise funds and in-kind donations to support education and manufacturing. But we also, a few years back, started a, a program that we call PRIME. PRIME is an acronym for Partnership Response in Manufacturing Education. And this is a high school program, and we are presently in 41 high schools across 22 states in our country. And we have brought in a very complete program uh, where we bring in STEM focus and manufacturing focus um, and tailor those programs to the particular needs of the community for manufacturing. So for example, Arconic the Arconic Foundation 
which Arconic is a recent spinoff of Alcoa. They've been a tremendous partner with our Education Foundation, and they've recently contributed an additional $300,000 to the Education Foundation of SME to advance um, two new schools that will be prime schools. That adds up to almost $1.1 million in recent history that Alcoa and Arconic have provided to the Education Foundation. And what Prime does, it, we partner with local manufacturers, tailor and develop a manufacturing program for high school students for the needs of the skill sets for jobs in those communities where those corporate sponsors or manufacturing companies have a need for hiring. What we find is there's a shortage of skills everywhere, just about every region of the country. Some of our customers in SME, some of the manufacturers tell us that in the, within the next five years, 75% of their existing workforce will be retiring, 75%. So manufacturing companies know that there's a problem. There's presently a gap in skills hiring. That gap could grow to over 2 million by 2025. And companies, from a smart business perspective, say, we got to do something about that. We want to do something about that, but we don't know what to do. Well, enter our prime program where we partner with companies and we bring a formula where we're bringing training in for the teachers. We're bringing exposure to the students. We're bringing our Tooling You SME online classes in manufacturing uh, to their curriculum. We're providing additional instructor training. We're inviting our SME members to help as volunteers with the teachers. Um, and, and then we're doing outreach to uh, the middle school students and uh, younger students in those communities about the attractiveness of manufacturing. So we are presently have a major initiative to continue growing our prime program at a pretty rapid pace. Now there's over 26,000 high schools across the country. So you could say, hey, yeah, 41, that's nice, but what about the other you know, schools? Well, it's a good point. We're gonna keep on growing. We're gonna keep on collaborating. And I can tell you for the students that we have that opportunity to impact, it really opens their eyes and their minds to careers in manufacturing. Now, another aspect, Joe, that you might be familiar with in SME is our trade shows and events. And the last two weeks, we just had two of our most significant, where we do about 12 different major trade shows and events with conferences around the country each year. We just finished Rapid Plus TCT, which is all about 3D printing and advanced manufacturing. We had that in Pittsburgh two weeks ago. This week, we just completed East Tech, which is a regional trade show in partnership with AMT, the Association for Manufacturing Technology. Each of these shows, along with our others, we have student summits we'll, where we'll bring in high school students, career uh, uh, CTE students, and community college students, and we customize programs for them. We do what's called a Ripple 3D Challenge, where the students get to explore how to make a 3D printed rocket and what are the design parameters. And they actually get to shoot that rocket and see how well they can hit the target. And they learn about additive manufacturing and they learn about design and it's hands-on. And then the students go around the exhibit halls and interface with exhibitors show showcasing the latest in manufacturing technologies. It becomes inspiring. 
just this week at uh, our East Tech event, which is in Western Massachusetts. Uh, it was great. We had about 250, 300 students from all around New England coming and learning about manufacturing. Oh, that's great. What, it what? was amazing. It was am I'm sorry, Joe. But yeah. It was amazing. We got some letters of appreciation from some of the students and some of the parents about how just attending the event has totally changed their perception of manufacturing and really inspired their kids to consider and pursue careers in manufacturing. Yeah, I, I just wanted to ask you uh, uh, what the age of those kids were. Uh, how old yeah, were those? So kids? High school through um, you know post secondary. So I would say from you know, age 15 to probably age 25. That's great. I and I want to circle back on actually on the, um, you made a really good point. Kids know that manufacturing is, is cool. And yeah. the minute that you, the minute that you walk up to a CNC machine and you see chips flying everywhere and then you see this amazing, you know, almost work of art that emerges after the, the cycle's done, it's hard not to, you know, to fall in love with that and think that that's neat. Uh, one of the so, but the interesting point is that how do we start to shift the parents and the people that are have one idea about how to succeed, and it's a very specific kind of path, and it doesn't really leave a lot of room for flexibility. I don't know if this is in. SMEs purview. So maybe this is just a, uh, you know, a question I'm asking you as an individual or someone who understands, but how, how do we address that? Yeah, well, you're, you're spot on in terms of that challenge. And, you know, it, it, it's a matter of very deliberate work to communicate about the attractiveness of manufacturing, how manufacturing has evolved, how it will continue to evolve and how, um, you know, jobs are different. Okay. Um, when I refer back to my background in automotive and I was a labor relations representative with union negotiations and, you know, you get into job skills and classifications and all kinds of things like that. And I, I remember the terminology was for hourly workers, you would have unskilled labor and skilled labor. And that was just a, a simple uh, means to kind of characterize the level of pay and job classification. But you know what? In manufacturing today, what we're seeing is that all jobs are skilled. Hmm. Virtually all jobs require some level of post-secondary education. To operate some of the sophisticated equipment, you know, it requires some definite skills development. So, but onto onto your point, there is a whole you know, I'll say misperception about manufacturing that uh, at SME, we're doing our part to try and eradicate and eradicate with the facts. And we've done some research, you know, about, uh, you know, uh, young people's perceptions of manufacturing and then about parents' misperceptions about manufacturing. And it, it's pretty it's pretty scary because basically, you know, the, the old way of thinking is, hey, I want my my kid to go to a four-year university and boy, if they're not smart enough or whatever to get into a four-year university, then maybe they could consider career tech education or consider a career in manufacturing. And, and the fact is things are different now. And, and 
you know what? There's many pathways to careers and there's many pathways to manufacturing careers. I meant, mentioned earlier in our talk that, you know, the average wages and benefits is 80, almost $82,000 per year. So what a great way for a, a young, smart person to get into a, um, into a career without the burden of uh, some su supreme debt from four-year university. I love four-year university, okay? Uh, but the point is, it's not the only pathway for a person to have a rewarding, good-paying job and good-paying career. Um, and, and we have to deal with those perceptions and provide the education to change those misperceptions. Yeah, I think, and that sort of ties into another subject. And this is something that I've, I've seen more and more recently is that people are worried about robots taking the jobs, but you need certain skills to work on robots, to build robots, to design robots. And these are the exact types of things that we're talking about today. What, what is your take on that whole situation? Do you believe, I guess my, my question to you is, do you believe that ultimately that uh, the jobs are just going to change? Or do you think that there's going to be a large net reduction in the amount of labor force participation necessary as a result of these technologies? I think it's the former by a wide margin. I don't think it's completely either or, admittedly. Uh, here, here's some, some detail about my, my thoughts about that. Um, as I said, I think there are no, virtually no unskilled jobs. All jobs require some level of skills and, and, and knowledge on how to operate equipment and how to see the whole ecosystem of manufacturing, apply lean thinking, continuous improvement, et cetera. When we're talking about use of technology, whether that is uh, robotics or further automation, guess what? Somebody's got to design those robots. Somebody has to program those robots. Somebody ha has to link them in. We talk about the industrial internet of things and smart equipment. There's a lot of skills in demand for the competencies required to make that happen. So what will continue to continue to shrink are the the more I'll say menial jobs, the more manual jobs that don't require the brilliance of a mind. Okay, um, and and jobs that perhaps are less safe. We can automate or use robotics, you know, for the, those more you know physical intensive jobs, and really look at. You know, collaborative robots, as an example, where man and machine are working together in a smart fashion. So I don't think technology itself is going to eradicate employment. Now, some recent data um, that, that came out, uh, one of the economists have done some study that says from the recession, you know, back in 2009, manufacturing output in the U.S. has increased 20 percent. Meanwhile, the number of jobs in manufacturing has increased 8%. So you could go, okay, well, manufacturing is generating more output. That's productivity. That's a good thing. And so as manufacturing comes back, will we have necessarily the same number of jobs as before? No. That's what innovation is about, finding you know, how to do more with less. 
So I think it's primarily technology is going to evolve and shift the job skills to higher paying, higher rewarding jobs with increased demand as opposed to completely eradicate. Now what we've got going here is a combination of a couple of factors. We've got the silver tsunami of the baby boomers retiring. Combine that with the deployment or implementation of advanced technologies, and there's huge and growing demand for skilled jobs in manufacturing. And that's why the studies that have been popularized in the last couple of years uh, by Deloitte and Manufacturing Institute, and we subscribe to it as well, is this growing risk of a job uh, skills gap where up to you know, 2 million jobs could potentially go unfilled as baby boomers retire and as manufacturers deploy technology and are challenged to find the right skills and the right labor force to take those jobs. So I'm not afraid of technology. I think we should and can embrace it. And I think it's gonna help. We have to bring up the skills. So that's why it's so important that we do things like our prime program and other initiatives to raise up uh, the prestige of manufacturing's image and raise up and increase the awareness of great careers in manufacturing. Sounds like we might almost need those uh, robots but <laughs> to fill some of those jobs. But I, I, I'm going to ask you a, a little bit more of a, a direct question on the unfilled jobs. So uh, explain, explain what would happen if we're not successful at, so we have this great opportunity. We have this large uh, quantity of jobs that don't necessarily require an extensive amount of training that are good jobs that what's going to happen if we don't fill those jobs? Can you describe what that looks like globally so that people understand why uh, everybody is so concerned about the skills gap and why it's such a priority? Well, I, I've got this kind of really simplistic uh, theory, and um, I'll start out with water. Water always finds its lowest level. It always finds wherever it's going to go. You can't stop water from flowing, right? And uh, and, and so it, we have to deal with that dynamic that water is going to find its base no matter what. And, and, and I think that same thing kind of applies to you know, economic factors and, and manufacturing. So when there's a demand for skill, it, you know, companies are going to find uh, solutions for that one way or the other. And the risk is, I'll, I'll, I'll give an, a, a particular example. I know of several companies, one in particular, who is looking to expand um, their capacity. Their, their sales have been going well. They're looking for a new plant. Well, because there's such a, a shortage of, of, of qualified candidates to hire where they're looking, they're considering relocating elsewhere. Mm -hmm. That elsewhere could be somewhere else in, in the, the state that they're located. More likely could be somewhere else in the country. And even perhaps even more likely could be offshore. That the company has that opportunity to grow. And they're looking at deciding where they're going to put their new manufacturing facilities, including the factor of can they hire and find the right people to fill those factories with. So I think that is a real good example of the consequences if we don't properly attract and develop and inspire 
youth to manufacturing. So it's it's our it's our opportunity to lose is how I read that. And sure. while manufacturers will often come up with ways to encourage it to happen here, because uh, I think everybody would like that ideally, uh, they will find means to adapt whatever it takes. So. Well, you know, in one of our monthly manufacturing engineering magazines, I published an article and um, I just happened to have, you know, a, a part of it. And I'll paraphrase the message. And it is that, you know, currently in manufacturing, we stand at a crossroad. Down one road in that is a resurgence of American manufacturing, driven by a new breed of manufacturers with the skills and the critical thinking needed to support the advanced manufacturing technologies and propel the industry forward. The other road is a continuous struggle for manufacturers to find the skilled workforce that they need, you know, with a, a slow withering of an industry that really this country was founded on if we can't find those people to fill those needed uh, skilled jobs. So only by tackling these challenges and, and addressing the stereotypes uh, and, and lifting the image of manufacturing to the prestigious level that it, it deserves, only then are we really going to reach our true potential. I'd love to share with you an encouraging story. I think you'll appreciate this. I was recently at a, uh, actually it was kind of co-sponsored by my SME chapter. It was at a, a local high school, Oak Ridge High School, and uh, it, the uh, technology uh instructor had in engineering manufacturing uh max had had kind of an open house sort of set it up and brought in you know invited everybody from the local industry invited parents let the students come in show their parents what they had been up to and i had a talk talk with the gentleman uh for a few minutes who had actually brought his child that was high school years to see that there's other things out there and i i felt incredibly uh optimistic when i when i heard someone who doesn't work in manufacturing who has by all means followed a path that's probably more typical of what everybody indicates should be bringing their kid to expose them to something different to expose them to this manufacturing and engineering I just thought that was incredible. Like, so I know that people that are doing the good work, like at the high school level and the SME and everything, I know it's working. So I wanted to share that with you. Before oh, that's a great story. I mean, I, I love, love to hear those kinds of the things. And, and it, it, you know, that kind of just parallels what I was referring to when we just got a letter from a parent just saying that the opportunity to participate in that rocket challenge and see some of the equipment on the floor has really inspired that, that young child to consider, you know, what manufacturing can do from that. I, I guess the other story that I'll share with you, and it, it actually kind of has a, an emotional tug, you know, I'm, I'm free to admit that. I have the honor of um, conducting in my role as CEO uh, a number of um, uh, you know black ties that we celebrate achievements in manufacturing. So we recently did that at a, at our you know annual spring gala where we recognized you know people that achieved achieved incredible you know um, accomplishments in manufacturing. 
both in academic and, and you know, in starting factories and in supporting our members, et cetera. So we had, you know, one gentleman, a Mr. Orr, and he had, he was received an award for celebrating 60 years in manufacturing. And at the same, you know, black tie event, we celebrated 17 outstanding young manufacturing engineers who have really, uh, you know, gone through a rigorous application process and, and young people age 35 or under who, you know, have budding careers. And, and I had the opportunity as I'm facing this audience to, 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 to link together the story of Mr. Orr with these budding manufacturing engineers. And I said, you know, look, in 60 years, some of you, some of you outstanding young manufacturing engineers, it might be the year 2070, and hopefully you'll be staying on the stage like this and sharing, you know, with an audience like this in 2070, your accomplishments. And to see the, um, the, the pride, the excitement, the emotion in the audience when we do these kinds of awards for achievements in manufacturing, it's an awesome thing. And it's one of the things that make me really proud uh, to be part of SME. That's that's really great. I, you know, it's even just to take the time to recognize people's efforts. It's so important, you know, whatever it is. And so that I, I could understand. That's that's really neat. Would have liked to have been in that room. That sounds like it was a very uh, inspiring moment. Well, you're welcome to come next time. We do. <laughs> we'll keep growing it. There you go. Perfect. Well, Jeff, I, I know we're kind of running short on we're kind of running on the downhill slope of our time that we have allowed today. I know you have a very busy schedule. So uh, I just maybe maybe we can kind of close out on uh, learning from you what you'd like your legacy to be. What, what would you like people to look back and say, you know, wow, Jeff did did this or Jeff accomplished that or Jeff was part of the group that that did this? Well, there are so many things that uh, we do to support manufacturing, and what I would like my legacy to be is, you know, part of the team that can further contributes for manufacturing's advancement to really strengthen um, the whole industry by inspiring, educating, and developing the manufacturing community. That goes right back to our 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 our, our vision, what we want to be, and. You know, as a nonprofit that we can continue to grow and provide benefits for our customers and services for our customers around the technologies and around the skills, boy, I would love to have a legacy that says I was part of that process. That's simple. That's great. Well, I'm grateful for everything that SME does. I found uh, when I relocated to the Sacramento area uh, a few years ago, one of the first things I did was kind of looked around to see how I could get more involved with manufacturing. And the SME group here was just outstanding. And they, uh, they really um, embraced me with open arms. And it's, it's a phenomenal group to be a part of. So I've learned more and more about uh, SME and did the little manufacturing is hashtag thing myself on, on my blog one day. And so I'm I'm very much a, a believer in what you guys do in your mission. I'm really grateful to have had the chance to chat with you today. And if people want to learn more about SME, where's the what are the best options they have? Where can they go and, and find out some more about us? Well, the first thing I would suggest is to go to our website, which is www.sme.org. 
sme.org. And from that, you can directly learn a number of things that are going on tied to our events, tied to our media products, tied to our membership, tied to Tooling You SME, which is our whole learning and development and training arm, and tied to the Education Foundation, where you can get involved and, and people that want to contribute to the, uh, you know, to, to the cause for the Education Foundation. So you can learn firsthand in SME.org, and then it can take you to links to some of our other websites. Uh, then secondly, I would just say, you know, follow us on some of the social media. There's, you know, SME uh, underscore MFG in Twitter. We've got a LinkedIn group, etc. And uh, I, I hope that you and the audience for this will, will see more and more of our efforts to get out there and promote the things that we do in support of the manufacturing industry. I have no doubt about that, Jeff. It seems like SME has the has the wind at its back as well with uh, your leadership and everybody in your organization that's working hard to move forward. So I want to thank you uh, again, Jeff, and uh, thank everyone for listening to the latest episode of the Manufacturing Advocates podcast and have a wonderful day.